So as I said earlier, this morning we're going to be thinking about the importance of praying, and especially praying for one another. The Oxford Dictionary defines prayer in the following way. A solemn request for help or expression of thanks addressed to God. Now, okay, that's correct. But prayer to me is much more than that. It's much more than just asking God for help or saying thank you. It's a conversation with a friend whenever you want to talk to him. Nowadays, we're so wrapped up in the modern day life. Everything is done at 100 miles an hour. And we can find it, if we are not careful, that, it's, that we don't make enough time to spend with God. I like the analogy of prayer being like a telephone. I understand that whenever I want to talk to God, I can. There's instant access. It's a 24-hour line that is actually manned by God himself. It's not a computer that attempts to recognise your voice and fails spectacularly. A little while ago, I was parking my car in a town I'd never been to before. And I had the awful realisation when I looked in my wallet that I had no change for parking. I looked around and I noticed that I could pay by phone. So I dialed the number and to my annoyance, got through to a computer. It took me nearly half an hour to establish which car park I wanted to park what car I wanted to park, and for how long I wanted to park, with several errors on the computer's part during that time. I ended up being late for a training session, and I was, ever since, I've been very careful to check my change before I know I'm going somewhere. I'm so glad that God doesn't work like that. Prayer to me is like a telephone, but a much more basic phone, than perhaps one we would have nowadays. I think prayer is a little bit more like two cups on the end of a string. All we have to do is pick it up and speak. God is at the other end listening. There is no loss of signal or expensive phone calls, just an instant connection. Now we're going to be looking through parts of the book of Ephesians this morning. So I thought I'd start with a little background information about the book itself. It was written to those living in Ephesus who were followers of Christ. At the time, the people living in Ephesus would have been mainly Gentile followers of Christ. And all this really means is that they weren't Jewish. It was probably written around 60 AD, possibly about the same time as the book of Colossians, as Paul's writing is very similar in style and purpose in both the books. The book of Ephesians is likely to have been written directly from the prison cell that Paul was in, in Rome, which he was being held in for being a follower of Jesus. And the whole book is a letter of encouragement, making it clear to those Gentile believers that we have been united in Christ they were no longer to distinguish themselves as Jew or Gentile. They had become a new creation in Christ. Right from the start of the letter, Paul speaks about the importance of prayer, and in particular, praying for one another. And if we can find in our Bibles, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15, he says the following. 
For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I've not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in prayers. I keep asking that God... I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and all authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. So Paul is alluding to what we are thinking about this morning. He's alluding to this importance of praying for one another. He's heard about the faith of the Ephesians, and right from the start he wants to pray for them, rejoicing in their faith, and praying that their faith may not stop growing and strengthening through this wisdom and revelation. We jump forward slightly to Ephesians chapter 3 from verse 14. And Paul has been talking about the grace of God. And that because of this grace, we are united in this one body. Paul explains that through God's grace, even the lowest of people in which he considers himself to be, have been saved and commissioned to tell everyone the message of God and his love and grace towards everyone. He tells the Ephesians that God has commissioned him to relay this message specifically to them. And for this reason, he is in prison. But he says, do not be discouraged. My sufferings are for your glory. And Paul then goes on to pray a prayer for the Ephesians. And this is where uh, chapter 3, verse 14 comes in. For this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep It is the love of Christ. And to know that the love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be fulfilled to measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Again, Paul is praying with purpose for them. He is praying that they may be strengthened and filled with the Holy Spirit and that they may be united further to understand more the love of Christ. 
chapters 4, 5, and 6 then go on to give some practical advice to the Ephesians on how to live in a Christ-like way. And they talk about some areas such as living as children of light, marriage, children and parents, slaves and masters, and finally, about the armour of God. It says this, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armour of God so that you may take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against authorities, against the powers of the dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armour of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand your ground, stand firm then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Paul is constantly equipping the Ephesians for the battle that lies ahead for us as Christians. The devil wants to throw us off course, but by the grace of God, we have been given this armour of Christ, which protects us from absolutely anything the devil can throw at us. You can see how this whole letter is joining together to encourage and equip the people in this place who have chosen to give their hearts to the Lord. But some of the final words in this book are what I want us to take away from this today. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 18 to 20. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak words, my words may be given to me so that I, may, I will be fearlessly make known the gospel, the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I de- may declare it fearlessly as I should. So let's take that apart. First bit, pray in the Spirit on all occasions. We have to know and we have to believe in the power of the Holy Spirit, knowing that through God's almighty power, all things that may seemingly be impossible are made possible. Second bit, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. The Christian journey is a tough one. There are so many people and situations that are put in our way to hinder our progress and cause us to stumble. But if we're united in prayer at all times, constantly praying for our brothers and sisters, the devil will struggle to get us. The armour of God is strengthened through prayer. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given so so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. We need to be praying for our leadership in the world, for our elders, and for for whoever God has in mind to come and minister 
here in Linfield. For all those in authority, for our politicians, our Queen, and all of those who are figureheads of other denominations, we need to be praying for them that they may hear what the Spirit wants them to bring out, that they aren't afraid and can fearlessly make known the name of Jesus in this country and in this world, so that those who don't know him may hear about him and want to learn more. We must pray for those who God has ordained for this work and constantly pray that they will be protected from the devil and may be so passionate about sharing the good news that like Paul, they would be willing to be sent to prison for doing so. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. We've been given this commission from our Father in heaven that we should declare the good news of the gospel fearlessly. That's a really hard thing to do. But we've got this secret weapon. We've got this secret weapon of prayer. We're united by the same cause. We're brought together by the same cause, praying for one another at all times. The devil cannot stop us from doing this. I used this amazing analogy at the 9.30 service, that prayer is a bit like a water pistol. Now, at the 9.30 service, I bought it out and sprayed a few of the front row. I'm not going to do that. But prayer is a bit like a water pistol. Our individual prayers are like every drop of water that comes from the gun, each very powerful. And each drop will make some impact in making us wet. However, prayer is so much more powerful when as believers we join together, united in prayer for one another. It's like all of those drops of water from the water pistol being combined in a bucket. The bucket becomes full when all these drops are combined and makes much more of an impact. Whenever we had a water fight as kids, we always knew that it was over when one of my sisters or myself grabbed the bucket. We knew that was game over. But this bucket, our, our prayers combined, make so much more of an impact. Prayer is an awesomely powerful thing. But when we join together, united in prayer, it becomes even more powerful. I came across an amazing story which I want to share with you this morning about how, how prayers can make a huge difference. A clergyman from New York, during a call on President Lincoln at the White House, said... I've not come to ask any favours of you, Mr. President. I've only come to say that the loyal people of the North are sustaining you and will continue to do so. We are giving you all that we have, the lives of our sons, as well as our confidence and our prayers. You must know that no boy's father or mother ever kneels in prayer these days without asking God to strengthen you and give you wisdom. His eyes brimming with tears, Mr. Lincoln replied, but for those prayers, I should have faltered and perhaps failed a long time ago. Tell every father and mother you know to keep on praying and I will keep on fighting for I know that God is on our side. As the clergyman started to leave the room, Mr. Lincoln held him by the hands and said, I suppose I may consider this as some sort of pastoral call. Yes, I guess so, replied the clergyman. Out in our country, replied Lincoln, when a person makes a pastoral call, 
it's always the custom for the folks to ask him to lead in prayer. And I should like to ask you to pray with me today. Pray that I may have the strength and the wisdom that I need. The two men knelt side by side, and the clergyman offered the most fervent plea to the Almighty God that ever fell from his lips. As they arose, the president clasped the visitor's hand and remarked in a satisfied sort of way, I feel better. You can see from this story the power that prayer can have on our world, the power that it had on this guy as a leader. Those words, but for those prayers, I should have faltered and perhaps failed long ago. Tell every father and mother you know to keep on praying and I will keep on fighting, for I know that God is on our side. This morning, let's commit to keep on praying for one another so that we don't falter and we don't fall and we don't fail, but that we keep on fighting the good fight against the devil, knowing that God is on our side and he's given us the armour that we need to do absolutely anything in his name.